1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. We're going to cover quite a bit of scripture here tonight. Verse 18 says, For the message or the story, the commentary of, okay, the, the preaching, the attitude, the approach, means all those words in the Greek, okay, for the approach, the attitude of the cross. The story of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Father, I pray for your power. The cross, the beauty of the cross is foolishness to those that perish. They don't understand it. Lord, I pray for those that perhaps don't have that power that are perishing here tonight, Lord God, that you would just move upon their midst, Lord God, and let them see the beauty and the power found in the cross that you had to come and fulfill all scripture. Your word says in 2 Corinthians, Lord God, had the devil known what he was doing, he would have never crucified our Lord. He would have never crucified you. But he played right into your hands. And everything was done, Lord God, according to scripture. That even, Lord God, as skeptic, so-called scholars and theologians, Lord God, of, of religion, Lord God, as they study the New Testament and Old, they're able to, get, say, they're able to see the beauty, Lord God, of the orchestration that you brought from heaven down to earth being played in a person of Jesus Christ. We bless you and praise you in your name. And everybody together said, greet one another one more time in the love of the Lord. Prior to your being seated, but keep your Bibles handy there because we're going to be covering about three, four more portions of Scripture on tonight. The title of my sermon here, and I've used 1 Corinthians 1 as my premise, but actually we're going to end with the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. We're going to be dealing also with John 19 in just a few moments. But this is Good Friday. The title of my sermon is The Rock from Throne to Thorns. From thorn, from the throne to thorns. Christ who went from the throne of glory to thrones upon, thorns upon his head. Okay, but The Rock. And we're going to be dealing with an individual that was exiled. For your benefit and for mine. And you'll see in just a little bit. Now, years ago, and I'm still taken by this man, I was watching a documentary on the life of Ninoy, Ninoy Aquino. All right, some of you may know who he is, some of you may not. If you're Filipino, if you don't know, shame on you, but of course you do. Probably the most pivotal Filipino that ever walked this planet, I would say. And I've studied their history when we were just, my wife and I were at the, the, the Hall of Justice there in, in Manila. And, and one of the ladies was giving us the whole history of, of the Philippines. And they have it there in a mural. Beautiful, beautiful mural. Sonny was fascinated. Pastor Sonny was with us. He was fascinated by the story because Sonny loves history. I love history. I was acting like I wasn't listening, but I was listening. Uh, and it talks about the, you know, that, that day, 1985, 1986, right around that time when, when Ninoy Aquino... Uh, uh, what happened to his life, but then how his wife was able to run for president and get rid of the Marcos regime and she became president, Cory Aquino. But as I was watching a documentary, it was about him and, and it was, they were filming him. He happens to be, uh, his sister happened to be married to a newscaster from Channel 5 
news in, in Los Angeles. So we were aware of who that man is. And so he caught my attention. I began to look at the documentary. And it tells how he was on the plane. They're filming him. And his brother-in-law, who was also the commentator, is interviewing him. And he says, why are you going back to the Philippines? You don't have to. He says, well, yeah, but I'm a Filipino at heart. I got to go back to my beloved homeland. He says, but why? And then he says, only three things can happen to me. I'm either going to be jailed for life, or I'm going to be killed, or I will become president. He says, only three things can happen to me. That's it. He had already figured it out. He already knew. But he had to go back. He'd been in exile in America. But he, had, he wanted to go back now. He got tired of living in exile. He wanted to go back to his beloved homeland. And of course, we know what happened to him. He was killed. But the key was what took place after that, that again, his, you know, uh, the biggest change that ever happened to the history of the Philippines happened then. And his wife was later on elected president of the Philippines. And it was all due to the obedience of one man. And that's what I want to get at here today. The obedience of Christ and your obedience to Christ hinges on the salvation of souls. The winning of many souls. You know, and I'm going to mix this in. It's a bit, bit theological, a bit homiletical, whatever that means. Praise the Lord. But it's going to be very practical. <clears throat> and these are the kind of sermons I like to preach. And every now and then I'll bring in my heart, hallelujah, about making a stand for God because he stood for you. And what that can do to society as a whole and even your friends and your relatives of which you are so fond of, like my wife was talking about hers. Okay? See, Nino Aquino was a Christian. And again, the Philippines has never been the same. And actually, the Philippines is not over with yet of making a change in, in, in this world. Uh, the best is yet to come. Or should I say the best is yet to go? Hallelujah to the Philippines. Hallelujah, you got it. All right. One guy got it because he's probably going. Hallelujah, he's already been there. Been there, done that. Uh, but for the Philippines, the best is yet to come and some of the best are yet to go. Yeah, hallelujah. Uh, we're going. We've already, we already been there. Tonight is Good Friday. I want to speak on the power of one person. David Wilkerson made a difference in our ministry. Nicky Cruz made a difference in our ministry. Pastor Sonny Agazzoni made a difference in our ministry. One man. One person. Look at John chapter 19 now. Getting to the theme of today, Good Friday. John 19. Verse 28, 29, and 30. And you got to stay with me here because at the end of the sermon, I come from left field. Hallelujah. I have a sermon called The Left Fielder. And some of you people catch it because I know. Later on when Richard, I've heard Richard preaching, he goes, my pastor taught me to be a left fielder kind of a preacher. Bring in something there near the end and get you. Hallelujah. And Richard does that. And I pray that some of you soon-to-be preachers will do the very same thing. Amen. Come on, ladies. All right. Hallelujah. John 19, beginning in verse 28. Later, knowing that all was now completed. See, Jesus came to fulfill Scripture. And so that the scripture would be fulfilled. There's the key to my ending. So the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus says, what did he say? I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on the stalk of a hyssop plant, lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the ghost or his spirit. Jesus was a man on a mission. He had a dream. He had a vision, as every one of us should have as well. All of us should have a dream. All of us should have a mission. We should all have a vision for our lives. Because vision can be so powerful. That mission, that dream that Jesus had was so powerful that it pulled him into the cross. 
the hardest death that humanity has probably ever recorded by, on one man. Taken and, and, and speared like that song says and, and, and you know, scourged and all that. And then before that being, being you know, whipped 39 times uh, by a cat's tail which was a bunch of thorns and, and, a, and a bunch of pieces of, 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 of glass put together upon his back. 39 of them. Ah, but he did it. He took it all for us. But up until Easter, Easter Sunday morning, much of Jesus' mission, it might have seemed thwarted. It might have seemed, you know, uh, 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 you know that it, it really wasn't going to come to pass because the enemy did all that he could, Satan did, to thwart and to, to counter the success of Jesus' mission. Are you on a mission? Then the devil's going to do the very same thing to you. He's going to do all that he can to counter, like a good boxer, the success of your mission here on earth, on this planet. Huh? See, whenever you have a dream or, or a vision, uh, as Jesus had when he came to this planet, the enemy will always, always heavily oppose you in that dream. Count on it. Count it all joy, hallelujah, but count on it. With Jesus, uh, from the manger to the cross, the enemy never let up. Never let up. It's war, war, war. That's the way it is. Now, with Corey Aquino, Nino Aquino, excuse me, he wanted so bad to, to go back to his, his homeland of, of the Philippines. For though his, his stay here on earth was, uh, excuse me, here uh, in the U.S., the U.S. treated him pretty good. We treated him fine. We treated him well. Nino Aquino. But yet it wasn't his home. It was not his homeland. He was an exile, if you will. And with Jesus, he too came to this earth as, stay with me now, an exile. He was an exile. Some 2,000 years ago, for about 33 and a half years, heaven lost its most prized possession, its number one citizen. For 33 years, heaven lost its prized citizen. He abandoned heaven. Uh, he was in exile. He came to be in exile on the island called Earth. That's where he came to. An island called what? Earth. History has had a good number of well-known exiles. Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldeans and he went on to Palestine, to Canaan's fair land, as an exile. Uh, the apostle John was on the island of Patmos. The Bible says, exiled. Uh, Victor Hugo, if you know anything about history, exiled to an island also out of France. They excommunicated him. Even Fidel Castro, Viva Che Guevara. They were exiled from Cuba. They had to go to Bolivia and all them different places. Uh, but they came back to Cuba. You know, some could say good, mostly bad. But they were exiles. They know what it's like. Uh, they were exiled from their own homeland. Nino Aquino, uh, he was exiled. Ferdinand Marcos later on, uh, he was thrown out finally of his beloved, uh, so to speak, Philippines, and they didn't let him go back. They even had to bury him in Hawaii. He never got back to go, to go back to his homeland. But Jesus, when he left heaven, the, he had a great send-off. Uh, when he was going to be going to exile, when he was going to be going to camp earth, uh, the prison earth, if you will. He had a great send-off from his people, from the people up in heaven. But he had a super, super terrible reception. Born in a manger. Uh, he had a terrible reception. There was no fanfare here to welcome him. Jesus went from the throne to the pig pen. 
From glory to glory, hallelujah, if you will. From glory to glory in a hurry. Quick. And he didn't leave because heaven didn't want him. He wasn't kicked out of heaven like Satan was. He came voluntarily. He came on his own. I'll go. Uh, if it's for Steve Pineda, I'll go. Stephen Pineda, I don't know. Okay, I'll go, I guess. Uh, but I'll go for my beloved people. Hallelujah. He volunteered for commando duty. He was a commando. Uh, I wish my little nephew was here. He's the oldest of the nephews. And he's driving up here right now. But I wish he was here. And I, he was telling me, uh, Uncle, I'm going to be there today. And, you know, but I probably won't make it on time. But I'll, I'll be there Sunday. I'm going to be coming in. And you guys know how I'll be dressed, right? He's a Marine. He's, he says, Uncle, I have my best uniform ready. And you'll meet him. He, man, he, this guy is straight line. Take tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be sergeant. Yes, he's a, I mean, you'll meet his, the oldest of the cousins. But this sermon would have got him. I'll give him the tape. Uh, I'll dedicate it to Jacob. Jacob John Avila, my little nephew. But you know, he knows about commandos. Jesus was a commando. Uh, over here on planet Earth. Uh, he was a soldier in command, under command. Because he was a commando. In enemy territory. An exile. Now, we've heard of some rather infamous places where people get exiled. You ever heard of Alcatraz? That was, that, that was an exile. That was, that was a place, huh? We have some infamous ones. Siberia. Uh, please don't send me to Siberia. Uh, even, even when we're in jail and prison, we, we call those things. They're going to send me to Siberia, Holmes. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's not the honor ranch. It's not the honor farm. It's someplace, oh, man, deadlock. Matter of fact, we had, we call it in Ventura County, the rock. Uh, and, the, and the cops there thought they were bad. They were wrong because they wanted to be like Alcatraz. Uh, they wanted to be bad bulls. Bad, you know, correctional officers. We're well, going to send you to the rock, Pineda, if you don't get in line. Come on. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. I would come in to jail and get arrested. I'd say, you know, just send me, send me to the rock, man. Because I'm going to end up there anyways. Just send me now. <laughs> really, I'd come in and I'd go and I'd say, send me to the hole now. Because I know I'm going to go. Uh, they go, oh, Pineda, man. Uh, they're going to send him to the hole right away. Do it now. <laughs> uh, send me to Siberia. I don't care. Uh, you know that Australia, uh, that, was, that was a Siberia kind of a thing. That was an exile. All the, the convicts from England were sent to Australia. And they are all drug addicts now, you know. Uh, but that was the place that they would send exiles to. Australia, Alcatraz, the rock. The Islas Marias, if you've done any time in, in, in Mexico. That's the worst place. That's like the rock. That's a, that's a heavy, heavy uh, you know, time in Mexico for the Mexican prisoners. But Jesus came to an island called Earth. That was his Siberia. That was his Alcatraz. That was his Islas Marias, if you will. Earth was his uh, Patmos. See, most exiled prisoners were sent to places that were bad and, and, and sad and sorry places. Siberia. I mean, you read about it in Russia. You don't want to go. It has to be sad and sorry. It has to be terrible wilderness kind of places whenever they send you there. Cold and dreary. Wilderness and, and places barely fit for civilization. That's the kind of people that they'll send exiles to. And to Jesus, earth was such a place. The backside and the black side of the universe. A barren island called earth is where he came to. And he came to a very, very hostile place. The Bible says in John, he came unto his own, and what happened? His own received him not. We don't want you. Give us Barabbas. They wanted a convict instead of Jesus. Wow. Talk about Siberia. Being rejected. I mean, it's terrible. Can, can you imagine going to, to some, if you're in prison or jail, 
Imagine. And they send you to some place and, hey, homie, you're not my homie. Get out of here, man. Even your own homies don't receive you. That's going to be a hard time. It's going to be a terrible time. I mean, you want to be excited. Come on, man. Uh, I'll give you some coffee. Uh, some camels, man. Uh, just let me in. But his own received him not. You know, the Turkey and Russia, the countries, they're always at odds with each other. Germany uh, and France, they hate each other by and large. Uh, man, the French are too much. Uh, we, we, the French are too much. I've been in France. If you talk English, they don't even listen to you. They hate, the, they hate us too. Uh, they told me, if you're going to go to France, speak Spanish. So think of from Mexico. Kivo, you, you, how you do? Bonjour, bonjour, bonjour. Because that's the way, they're always at odds with one another. Uh, Israel and the Muslims. Uh, they're always at it. The Jews and the Muslims are at each other. Iran and Iraq, they almost sound the same, but they're not. They hate each other. Uh, but this story of Jesus and earth was the utmost of ill. It was the utmost of rivalry. The earth received him not by and large. Uh, they hated him. He came through a stable and he left with a spear in his side. Talk about hostile treatment. The Romans hated him. Herod hated him. The high priest hated him. The Pharisees hated him as well. Judas Iscariot hated him. Uh, the dying thief on the cross hated him. Hostile treatment on this planet. See, most of the world turned their backs on him. But notice this. While most of the world turned their back on him, he wouldn't turn his back on them. Because he doesn't do that. Christ never did and he never will. Notice where most of the wounds were inflicted on his body. In the front. In the front. Jesus never, okay, he never retreated. He never turned his back on us and he never will. Uh, he, Jesus is not a runner. Jesus looked his adversaries straight in the eye. Face to face. Most of the wounds were done right here. Uh, in front of him. And he didn't turn his back on them. He saw every, every, every wound that was being inflicted upon him. Face to face with the sins of the world. When a soldier took the hammer and nailed his hands and his feet to the cross, he saw the hammer. He saw the soldier head on, face to face. Christ saw it. When the soldiers rolled the dice for his clothes and hurled all those verbal accusations at him, Jesus saw it. Face to face. When the crown of thorns was placed upon his head, Christ saw it. When his hands were fastened, his feet were fastened, his head wasn't fastened. His head wasn't nailed to the tree. He could turn whichever way he wanted to. He saw his accusers. He saw face to face those people that were putting the hammer and the nails into his hands. Because his head wasn't fastened. Uh, he was able to see everything. He saw the earth tremble, the Bible says. He saw the earth in midday turn to darkness. He saw it face to face. He experienced the total hostility of planet earth and its inhabitants. People like you and I. Uh, then also, Christ was far, far from home. Far away from home. Uh, I mean, he was the perfect setup for homesickness. I remember the first time I went to Manila. Wow, I got homesick. 
And even when you've been in jail and prison, you know, you get homesick. I remember sitting in, in, a, in a prison house with 400 men watching a movie and feeling like, man, I'll never forget that feeling. Sitting there going, this ain't me. I'm Steve Pineda, the, the finger popper, man. I can take it. I can, I can do hard time. I don't bother me. And I was sitting there lonely. I'll never forget that. I was sitting there homesick. I was sitting there all bluesed up. And I was blues. Hallelujah. Uh, I was like, what is this? What's going on? Because I didn't have Christ. I didn't know. I was trying to be my own Jesus. I was trying to be my own, bring peace to my own self. But I remember the first time I went to Manila, I had to look at my ticket every day. That would say, I'm going home in nine days. Oh, oh. it was tough. We didn't know nobody over there. <laughs> Man, it wasn't easy. Uh, at least I got to sleep in a bed. Richard and Danny had to sleep on the floor. I wonder how they went through it. Uh, let them preach to you, man. Uh, man. But I had to think because homesickness will get to you. Now you guys go to Manila and you like it. Oh, I want to go back. But the first time was tough. Uh, we, were, we, were ex- we were getting in there, you know, bringing in the forces. We were, we were setting up shop. We were setting up camp uh, in the enemy's camp. And with homesickness, the farther you are from home, the harder it hits. And if you try to calculate how far Jesus was from heaven, you could spend your entire lifetime trying to calculate. And he, he, still, he was still farther, farther home than that for you algebra freaks. And the farther you go from home, the harder it hits. And he was far, far from home. Ah, super far. And then it was for 33 and a half years. I only went nine days. I almost went crazy. As quiet as it's kept. Ah, he went for 33 years super far from home. Homesickness hitting him. Ah, so far. To go from the throne to thorns is not easy. Not for anybody. Not even the Son of Man. It wasn't easy. It wasn't an easy task. Then lastly, Christ knew that his exile would end in assassination. He already knew how he was going to die. It was going to be an assassination on the cross. And he was a carpenter, mind you. Many times he'd work with wood. Maybe even make some, some crosses for, for some criminals that they, they, maybe they petitioned him. You know, they, they hired him and his dad to make a cross for a criminal to die. And there he'd be making it, getting it ready. Knowing that one day this is going to be me. Man, homesickness far away from home. Coming to a planet that won't even receive you. Wants nothing to do with you. And there he went working with wood. Knowing that someday you're going to die the very same death. Wow. Ah, oh, it's not easy. He knew how he was going to die on the cross made out of wood. See, many number of us, we don't mind going through some difficulty if and when we know how it's going to end. Uh, uh, because it's going to be okay. But Jesus knew the end, how it was going to be. He was going to be assassinated. Nothing but hostility awaited him. Christ's life began with a rude awakening and ended with a rude ending. That's from the grave, from the manger to the grave. Rude awakening, rude ending. But thank God, thank God that sometimes here on earth, good can come out of bad. Good can come out of evil. What did I say earlier? This was supposed to be the worst day in the history of this planet. But we don't call it Bad Friday. We call it Good Friday. Because God can turn seeming evil and seeming terribleness and turn it into good. Just hang in there for a while. Face your problems. Went under the gun. Don't run. Ah, 
See, I'd have never been born again or a preacher. Probably. Had I not been through my drug addiction. Probably. Because I know an idiot like me. No, I wouldn't have. Because when I had my opportunity when I was a young man, they didn't have the gang. They didn't have all that stuff. And I, I went to the world. Sad. But God writes to this kid, I'm going to have to really let, turn him loose until he comes to himself and then comes back to me. And that's how I came. Because God turned something seemingly bad into good. Because only God can do that. But you don't have to go the route that I did. Let me tell you, young people, you don't. Uh, my son's not doing it. He knows better. Uh, because he knows God. To know God is to know better. Praise the Lord. Uh, some guy by the name of John Hawthorne, he wrote the Scarlet Letter. Real famous book now. But you know how he wrote it? He got laid off of his job. When he got laid off, his wife said, praise the Lord, maybe now you can write. Maybe now you'll have time to write. And he wrote the Scarlet Letter. Seeming bad turned into good. Ah, oh, man. But that's what God is able to do out of being laid off. Again, worldly good often is the result of worldly wrongs. Worldly good is seeming the result of worldly evils. And such was the case here with the cross and with the crucifixion of Christ. It was Friday, but Sunday was coming. Ah, by the greatest crime ever committed by humanity, the wrongful murder of an innocent man, the greatest thing on this planet happened. Ah, all for each and every one of us. Hope, heaven was open wide through a crime. Pilate should have wore that, 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 that cross. He should have been the one to be condemned. But it was Jesus. Through Christ's exile here on earth, uh, he bought back the right for us to be deported to our rightful home. Uh, those of you with green cards, you know what I'm talking about? Tu conoces como sabes? Tu conoces que me sabe? Ah, yeah. Hey, no quiero que me cachen, eh? Uh, that's wrong English, Spanish, anyways. No quiero que me cachen. Uh, only Mexicans talk like that, pochos. And the real ones say, no quiero que me, que me agarren. Porque me van a llevar, me van a llevar para atrás, hombre. Ay, no, que no me vayan. Ah. You got to get deported. Well, through Christ's exile, we can get deported back to our home. Place called heaven, hallelujah, and I want to go. Uh, see, former exiles that have come to our country. My parents came from Mexico over here. And now I'm able to live a, a tremendous life because of a former exile that came to, to America. The Filipinos. I mean, you know, one day somebody came over here. They live good, most of them by and large now. I mean, you go to some of them provinces, you go to the, some of them places, living under tin, and you know, I got to get to America. America for my people, for my country, for my family. Because all my family drives Porsches in U.S. Ah, but a lot of those Filipino families owe it to somebody that came to America. Now they can live a better life. Two years ago, I was watching the Academy Awards. This woman, this Japanese woman, won for, I think it was short documentary. She did a short film documentary. She won. She was crying. She was broken. She said, you know what? I thank my mother who's watching today from Japan. They came, they, they sent me over here and, and they came before me and enabled me to have a better life here in America. Now, look at this. I'm winning. I won the Academy Award. 
But it was because of an exile from my family that came over here looking for a better life. Mm. That's what is able to happen with us, you and I. We now can become citizens of heaven because of an exile, an ex-exile that came to this planet years and years ago, 2,000 years ago. In order to afford us, you and I, a better life. He's now opened up for us uh, to enable us to become citizens of heaven as well. Through one man's obedience to his call, to his mission, that's what happened for you and I. We can be born again. We can be forgiven of our sins. Like Pastor Mando says, Evangelist Mando says, he says, I'm not a Chicano, I'm a Cristiano. I like that. I'm not a Chicano, I'm a Cristiano. I like that, huh? I mean, who cares about our color and our pigmentation? Our all blood still runs the same. Uh, we can all five different races and we can become citizens of heaven. Hallelujah. Uh, each and every one of us. Doesn't matter our color. Let me end tonight by bringing this message a little bit closer to home. Uh, your current home, where you live. What is your dream? Mm. What is your vision, your mission in life? In the Gospels, Christ would often call himself the son of who? Son of David. He called himself the son of David. And the reason, there's a number of reasons why. But personally, because I want to personalize this sermon as I come to a close. I think because he could identify with David. He could identify with, 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 with Joseph, because which means Joshua, means almost like Jesus, same name. But Joseph and David had a similar life. And he could identify with David because David, from the beginning, he had a call upon his life. But the enemy, as I began the sermon earlier, will always hit a person that has a call upon their life. And he's going to hit him hard. Jesus got hit hard. David got hit hard. He was anointed king in 1 Samuel chapter 16 by Samuel the prophet. Broke the horn and anointed him king. He did not become king till 30 years later. In 2 Samuel chapter 2. And I've analogized that before about victory outreach. Uh, it took us a long time, about 30 years to come to fruition, to come to maturity. But it's our time now. Uh, but that's what happened with David. And David had a lot of adversity against his life. Ah, uh, I mean, his father, when they were going to pick the king out of Jesse, the son of Jesse, Jesse's uh, family. What happened to David? They didn't even bring him. They left him out on the, watching the, the sheep. His father tried to stifle his call. His father tried to put the call out. His father, his own father came against the call of David and his mission in life. Then how about his brothers? Ah, somebody preached about this the other day. I think it was Louis talking about even his older brother trying to mess with David. Trying to send him home. Trying to stifle his call. Trying to put his call out. Jesus could identify with that. Saul came against his call. Jesus could identify, son of David. If it happened to David, it'll happen to, it happened to Jesus and it'll happen to you. The devil will try and come against your call, come against your mission, come against your vision, come against your dream. Behold the dreamer. Uh, David had a heavy call upon his life. Uh, but again, he was anointed king in 1 Samuel 16. But he was not crowned until later in 2 Samuel chapter 2. Why? Because of the call upon his life. Ah, and that's what will happen with you and I as well. If God has his hand upon you, which I know that he does. Look at Nehemiah 6.11. I'm getting close to closing. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 11. Courage begets what? Courage. See, David stayed faithful to his mission. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews, David fulfilled all the purposes of God in his life. He fulfilled them. 
So did Jesus. Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 11. Do you have it? Look at verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of all these guys, who was shut in the home. He said, let us be in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. But I said, you talking to me? Uh, you, you, you talking to me? Come on. You might not know me, but I know who I am. I don't have an identity crisis. I've said this, but I haven't said this in a while. See this guy here? He's going to go to heaven. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to say that I'm perfect. I'm going to be perfect. But I'm telling you something. I'm going to go to heaven. Because I know who I am in Christ. I know what I can find in the word of God. Uh, and that's the way Nehemiah, he knew who he was. Matter of fact, I have a sermon called Nehemiah. Nehemiah knew who he was. That's what he's able to say. You talking to me? Should such a man as I run? I know sissy. I ain't no chasha. I know what I'm made out of. No, I'm not going to come down. Courage begets courage. Your family, your friends, and your acquaintances are waiting for you to make a stand. Isaiah 53 says he was smitten for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Surely the chastisement was upon him. Uh, and by his stripes. It, Isaiah 53 is so beautiful for, for Good Friday. But it says he was smitten. That's a key word. Because when I read to you in John 19, verse 28, he says, I thirst. Remember that? When he was on the cross, the seven words. The sixth word was, I thirst. Jesus wasn't thirsty. He wasn't. Because he had told the woman at the well, hey, if you drink of me, you're never going to thirst. He'll never thirst. He wasn't thirsty. It was Friday. Ah. <laughs> he, the Bible says, if you read it in verse 28, who has John 19, 28? What does it say there? Why did he say, I thirst? It says it right there. I'll wait. I have eternal life. Because it had to be fulfilled according to Scripture. He knew what he had. He had to say those words. But he wasn't there. He was the water. Out of you shall flow rivers of living water. Ah, he wasn't thirsty. He was, he was water. But he had to be smitten. He had to be struck like a rock. Because, stay with me now. I'm getting close to closing. I told you I was going to end from left field. Here we go. In Exodus 17. You don't got to turn to it. It's there. Verses 5 and 6. It talks about when Moses took the, the, the rod, the staff that he had when he brought him out of Egypt. God told him, get that staff and strike the rock. He says, and I will be on the rock. When you strike that rock, you're going to strike me. And I'm going to save you out of your rebellion, murmuring, and complaining. They were murmuring and complaining in the desert. We want water. Give me water. We should have gone back to Egypt. I can have it. You can have it later. Uh, but see, he, Jesus, is the rock. He's the rock. He had to be smitten. He had to be put on a cross and smitten for our transgressions that we might have life and water 
freely and more abundantly. On this day, 2,000 years ago, he had to be stricken. He had to be struck. He had to be, according to the judgment, the judgment of God, the wrath of God had to come down upon him in order to give us eternal life and all the smorgasbord on water that we want. All the water you can drink and all the air you can breathe. It's on me, homie. Hallelujah. Uh, we had to be, he had to be struck down in order to become the rock of ages. The rock of ages. Uh, because he had to die on the cross. It was in order that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And that was the very last thing that he did. Then he says, it is finished. Devil, you thought you had me. I'll see you later. Go to your room. Because I'm coming back in three days and I'm going to deal with you, devil. I'm going to deal with you. Ain't going to get away. You thought you had me. Huh? Nobody takes my life. I lay it down. Because I'm the rock. Yes, I had to be smitten. I had to be struck. In order to give life and water to my family and to my friends. And any that will, will, whosoever will to the Lord may come. He will not turn away. You can have that rock. See, Jesus was a soldier under command. That's what he was. He, had a, he followed orders to the T. For you theologians. Theologians. To the T. I should have titled a sermon like that. Uh, to the T. Uh, the ING to the, I'm just kidding but he, he received his orders in heaven became an exile heaven lost its most important citizen for 33 and a half years but he came and he fulfilled and he says the last one is I gotta say this now listen to me I'm not thirsty but I'm gonna say it anyways I thirst in order that the scriptures would be fulfilled then it was struck that water would come gushing out of the cross. The beauty of the cross. That if you want to drink. He was a soldier under command. Guess what happened when he died on the cross? Uh, yes, the thief on the cross got saved. But guess who got saved right after that? A centurion. A soldier. A head of a hundred people. Probably the one that was in charge of the whole thing that was happening there. Probably a hundred soldiers were there. And he was the man in charge. And he saw the obedience of a fellow soldier. Takes one to know one. And he says, man, this man was a soldier. <laughs> Just like me. A commando and a commando raid. And he completed his mission. He completed his mission. He completed his mission. Success. Hallelujah. So he gets saved. Truly this man was a son of God. He could see that. Can you see that? I hope that you can. Good Friday. But great Sunday's coming. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. You need to be able to stand and to be struck in order to be a blessing.